You're listening to the After The Show podcast, the weekly movie review show from your friends at ascully.com. Welcome to the show, and the new intro that you just heard for the second time this week was not an April (laughs) Fool. It's actually our new intro. And if... uh, I might switch it to the other one occasionally, just flick it up. I'll make a new one and just have random ones every so often. No. You Is like it? consistency. Oh, I think it'd be kind of cool. Different ones for different days. I think you should take the advice of your listeners and see what they think. Make a Christmas one um, for Christmas. Make what, a are you singing? Easter <laughs> one. Oh, it's Easter. Happy Easter. Tomorrow. Yeah, so we'll make well, a, it probably is what would be an Easter song. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run. Die run, another run. day. Get it? We your rabbit pie. So run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. Are you making that up? No, that's a song. No, I don't believe you. That's why the the movie Chicken Run. They make it. They have a version of the Run Rabbit song in there. Remember? No. It's about Run Rabbit, Run Rabbit, Run. Is about the. Uh, the rabbit and the farmer's going to shoot him with a shotgun. So right. Some old-time, wartime song from the uh, Britain. Anyway, <laughs> this is after the show. And our before the after the show discussion that we always have every, every week, I was just talking about... Uh, I buy a lot of Nintendo stuff, and they have like a reward scheme called Club Nintendo. You can go to clubnintendo.com. And a lot of people probably don't do it. When you open up your new Nintendo game, it has a little code that you can go and enter in the website, and then it gives you some points. And those points accumulate, and then you can spend them on Nintendo-y things in the store on the Nintendo shop. Um, you can also buy downloadable games for your 3DS with the points. So, you know, you can use them in various ways. But they have this uh, scheme where every year, at the end of June, they calculate how many points you've got, and you get put into a bracket. You're either not eligible, or gold member, or a platinum member, depending on how many points you have over that calendar year. Now, I was really close to being a platinum member, which I've never been, ever, this year. So um, I needed, like, 80 more points. So I put a, a tweet out and said, if anybody's got any spare Nintendo codes mm-hmm. and they want to give them to me, I can become a platinum member this year. And a friend of mine, I will give him a plug for sending me the codes... He's called uh, at, well, on Twitter he's at... Does he want you to tell everyone? Yes. Okay. On Twitter he's at Epic Conspiracy, but he's actually a YouTuber. So if, you, if you're if you into DVDs, which you probably are if you're listening to the show, or Blu-rays, he does Blu-ray DVD reviews on his YouTube channel, which is Epic Conspiracy. Just search Epic Conspiracy on YouTube and you'll find him. So thank you for giving me some coats, and now I'm a Platinum member. He's barely just made up for his comment about my beautiful car, and he knows what he said. <laughs> and then when it so comes, so now we're even almost. And then when it comes to uh, November, when I get the uh, platinum prize, I um, I will thank you again. We'll see if it's a good prize. <laughs> yeah. if it's a lot of shit. I'm... If it's a pile of shit, then we're back to ground zero about the monstrosity. So, if it's really good, and starting now, you keep giving a scully all of your points, then yeah, I love my car, so you know, I'm delicate about it. We're talking <laughs> about Club Nintendo. Um, well, we're talking about Epic Conspiracy and his generosity correct. and opinion of my car. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for the points, and 
Um, I'm now Platinum member. I think, yeah, you don't know what you're going to get until the end of June, so I'll tell you all there. Uh, and then you don't get it till November. It's kind of a pain. So, it's Saturday, April the 7th, 2012, and this is after the show number 218. Whee! We're nearly on 220. And? I'm just saying. Will that so, be some sort of special occasion? It will. So, the movie we're looking at this week is Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which is the fourth in the Mission Impossible series. It's on Blu-ray. It's uh, a 2011 movie, and it releases on Blu-ray on the 17th of April. So this is an early look. I think we're two weeks in advance here. Um, It's a PG-13. The tagline for the movie is No Plan, No Backup, No Choice, which is a good tagline for the actual movie. You'll understand it more when you watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, It's from our friends at Paramount, and you're going to introduce the movie with a synopsis of this movie. Ethan Hunt and a group of agents uh, have to protect the world. I think is I know it's different than every other Mission Impossible. (laughs) Yeah, it (laughs) is. That theme. No, it isn't. (laughs) It's the same every time, but that's what it is. Only in this one... We're trying for the we're out of the loop. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, you don't want me to go into much detail in my little synopsis. So It is different to the other three films, in a way. But then the things that you love about those three films are also in there, too. There is a, di- there is a twist to it, mm. is what I'm saying, to the actual premise of Mission Impossible. Mm. Well, I'll discuss that when you give me the opportunity. So, uh, I'm a big fan of Mission Impossible. Have been since the TV show. Used to watch it when I was a kid. Um, TV show, obviously, a lot more cheesy than the... Um, I never watched it. And not very realistic. You know, it's played for... Almost played for laughs a lot of the time, the TV show. Um, but still cool, because when I was a kid, spy gadgets and... You know, it was literally about the gadgets and these ruses they, they got into. So I always loved it. Um, and then, you know... Let me guess. Saving the world? Yeah, same thing. Oh, yeah, Smaller scale. Not quite as big a scale as uh, the movies uh, take it to. So I was excited when the first movie came out. And I still love the first movie. The first movie was directed by Brian De Palma. And it actually feels a hell of a lot different to all the others. It's got this weird Green. Brian De Palma feel to it. Then John Woo did the second one. I dislike the second one. In, in uh, It just doesn't fit for me. And then the third one, J.J. Abrams took the reins... Um, did a fantastic job because I think the third one's exceptional. And now the fourth one, we're moving on to director Brad Bird, who's uh, is his first live action movie, and it's the continuation of the third one, really. Uh, a little bit of times past, but um, and they're all, they're all continuation of the same story. They are, but right. Uh, that second one, and that first one, and that second one don't even kind of gel together for me. It's kind of weird. Did it, they tried hard to rein it back in with that third one, which I think is what J.J. Abrams did a good job of. Because it could have just gone off the rails completely if they'd have carried on like that second one. But anyway, it's a not a perfect series for me. The best one for me is the first one. I think it is in most cases for most movies. Um, but Ghost Protocol, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's got the bigger and better thing going for it which sometimes it doesn't it's not necessary all the time you know what i'm saying what's bigger and better what do you mean like like the stunt like let's try we like you can hear people in a boardroom saying we gotta make this pop oh god 
You know what? to take it up a notch. You know what I'm saying. Take it up to the next level. We're gonna have to really up our game. We're gonna have to really. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, some, I, now somebody's. I like now I like it less. Yeah, but somebody's <laughs> saying like, yeah, we've we've had Tom Cruise um, going down a, a, an elevator chute on a line. We've had him. A going helicopter in, almost hit him in a tunnel. We've had all these exceptional, big, massive moments. We got to do something else like here, and you know they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they succeeded partially. And all the time I wasn't uh, with it, but. I um, liked... You mean with that one stunt or the whole movie? No, just some of the things. Um, I'll tell you what they did really right, though, here, this time. And they were kind of hinting at it with the third one. Um, but with this one, true to the TV series, there's a, in the TV series, there's a mixture of humour and action. In this movie, they got that balance just right for yes, me. Yes, it was fine. And, and it's, and it's um, mainly down to Simon Pegg. Absolutely. Who... who how I see him is he's our eyes looking in. Like, he's somebody who's, like, a sideliner. To, he can't believe that he's in this thing. Like, I don't mean in the movie. But I he mean, doesn't it, overdo it. Yeah, well, yeah, but he doesn't, he's not in awe. But there is a sequence where he's walking along with Tom Cruise. Yeah, and he's yeah. kind of <laughs> like, you know, saying... So I, he's the lightheartedness, but he's also, he hits the good balance, whereas I keep referring to Three Musketeer Guy, who's yeah. supposed to be the funny guy. It's not a ridiculous... It sucks. No. Now this one, because he has a good, he has a good, mo- he can rein it in and be right in there with the, I can do my job and I can do my task, and then he can make the funny face or do the little quirky thing or da da da, and it's not too much. I can get a little sick of Simon Pegg sometimes, so... I think he did it just right, but we'll talk about that one. And in the cast. in the set in the third Mission Impossible movie, they were trying to find the footing with the Simon Pegg character, and I think they they overdid him a little bit in that one because they were, he was too cheeky and he was always making the one-liners. But in this one, yes, he does he does a lot of the. It's not really one-liners in this one. Uh-uh. It's more of he knows what he's doing, but it's always kind of funny to him. And, and you can't have somebody who's too funny because they're in a very responsibility, yeah. And this movie is all about creating tension. You're always supposed to be on the edge of your seat. Like when when a when a moment is you know a mission is going down, it's very tense. So you know it's it's quite. I think they struck the balance really well, and that's what I really liked about it. Because I at the beginning I was kind of like, oh no, they're going to screw it up with the Simon Pegg thing. He's just going to be like a bird on um a bird. He's going to be a bird on. Tom Cruise's shoulder the entire way through saying stupid things. They didn't do that, and they kind of played him off with Renner instead, yeah. which I, which I think was a good mark because and Patton, yeah, because Cruise doesn't have a mega sense of humor in Mission Impossible. He's always in danger. I don't think he has a sense of humor overall. <laughs> no, but he's always in danger. So you don't. He's not the wise quipper, is he? He does he, he does one or two in this, but. You know, I, that's one of the things I've always liked about that character. You know, he's in the moment and he does his thing. He's professional and... So, and the other thing they did awesome in this movie, and I adore it, is the technology. They went over the top with technology and it's fantastic. They used stuff that we're all familiar with, iPads and iPhones, etc. But they sci-fied the hell out of Yeah, stuff. yeah. Well... Now, there's a... There's a Scene at the beginning of the movie where they're doing some, let's say, <laughs> optical adjustment. I like to call it. Yeah, it's a good one. Of a, um, it's fantastic. Of a corridor. I want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> with an iPad and this big, and it's fantastic. It is, it, but it's so like, you know, you're sitting there going, 
Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah, because knowing it isn't, but is it? But the way they portray it on the screen, and the way it works, you actually see how it works because it. it I, I don't want to spoil it, but it, you can see the workings of it happening on the screen. They handle it as if it's a technology that's been around forever that we they all just know. Da, 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 throw it, yeah. But it's fantastic, and there's other things. There's a like <laughs> the floating thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is another kind of. Well, it's a magnet. Yeah, but it holds a man's weight yeah. and, and you float like you're in space. It's fantastic. I, I really thought they did really good. Uh, and because in this movie, Ghost Protocols, it means they're not... It's like that James Bond movie we saw where mm. where um, Q doesn't have anything to do with James Bond. He has to just go off on his own. Well, But it's not the same because I don't, I don't... That's where I think it fails. The idea that they're off the grid, so to speak, of their organization... But they're not. They still have super high tech. They still have all the sharp clothes. They still have all the mask technology. And yeah, they try to come off as if a couple of things kind of break down here and there. But it's not enough down and out. When James Bond was down and out, he was literally like out of the loop, right? I mean, then he kind of quickly adjusted. But this didn't distance them enough for me. I needed ransackled, digging around. I needed them interacting with real people to get resources. I need them to even maybe be illegal and break into a car here and there or an apartment or something to get a piece of technology that they don't have or go in an internet cafe. And I know that sounds, you know, like boring and everything, but if the idea here is we have broken free, we are now disavowed or whatever, it wasn't enough of that. I wanted to feel like they were really scrounging and using their resources, you know, just like surviving, but didn't get that. So for me, that whole concept was a failure. Another, another fun thing is that the... Um, but it didn't hurt the movie. It just some of, didn't come across. Some of the gadgets don't work sometimes, which has That's never, what, yeah. has never occurred in a... Because they're always, like, perfect, these gadgets. But in this movie, there are a couple of instances where they just backfire completely. Which is great. I like that too because, you know, not everything's perfect. Some stuff's in test. James Bond's done it on occasion where something doesn't work properly. Yeah, I just guess if the idea was then to make him feel less slick, it didn't work for me at all. It just was like a little bit of a, I don't know. It was too, I don't know. I love the um, contact lenses that uh-huh. can take photographs of stuff and encryption. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was awesome. There, there's some amazing... All the time, there was something interesting for me, like in the terms of the gadgets and stuff. Um, the te- the lens was awesome with printing inside the briefcase and stuff. Yeah, and Tom, yeah, they almost—it's almost like magic. Some, uh-huh. what, they, what they're actually doing in that scenario. T- um, the sense of tension is really good too. That that um, middle scene yes. where it's playing out on the two floors. It's yeah, two, yeah. Basically, two meetings going on at once, playing out on two different floors of a building, and the camera kind of pans up and down on the two floors. Seamlessly, almost. It's like, and you hear one person in one room, and then person in the other. I thought it was really good. I was on the edge of my seat. Like, how's this going to happen? You know, know, things are going to go wrong. Yeah, but obviously. Who, yeah. who and when and how? To what degree? Yeah. There's amazing special effects. Big moments, like a big blockbuster. Really good explosion. Huge, that one was uh, a really awesome. A sandstorm occurs. Oh, yeah. um, there's quite some crazy stuff in this movie if you think about it. Especially, what about the the opening scene? Even yeah, you know. In the, the the choreography of the fight with um, the fights were good. The fight of Tom Cruise in the prison going down the cr- yeah corridor. yeah that was good. Just like it was like a ballet of bodies flying everywhere and stuff. It was really cool. Um, I think they did a lot of good things. It's um, 
What's memorable about it all to you? Over, I mean, what's the thing? What's that memorable out is um, Tom Cruise on the side of the building. I don't like heights personally, very very much. And he's on the tallest building in the world. If you didn't know that was the tallest building in the world, would it still have this? If people didn't hype it um, up, so the much way Brad Bird filmed it, the very first where he's you know he, he's stepping out. And look down. And the camera yeah. looks down. And this was filmed for an IMAX theater, so he kind of, it was filmed in IMAX, that part. And he looks down, and the noise of the wind and everything, the way he did it, I actually felt some vertigo looking at it. And I was like, oh my god, I hope Tom Cruise didn't do that for real. Later on, we re- we, we found out that... Oh, that you knew... That was what all the media was about it. Like, months no, ago. No, I, I was... I was I knew that he'd gone on that building, but right. I thought he was really low down on it. Oh, right. And the rest was green screen, but that's not the case. We'll talk about that in the extras, but... Um, yeah, I love that scene. I will remember that scene. You know, if I think of Mission Impossible 1, he's on the wire, yeah. lowering down into the room. What's 3? Three? 3, um... What's the big moment in 3? Hard to... Hard to remember. For me, it's running. I just remember him running along that... Along the little you know what I do remember stuff. about three the opening scene in the big warehouse and they're having a big shootout mm. with machine guns. It's like a warehouse with a kind of a glass roof and it's nighttime. They've gone to infiltrate it. And, oh, to and save it's a, them! And it's a huge shootout. That that's the part I remember, and that's not the best part. Of I that just movie. remember him running and uh, me thinking to myself, "There's the Tom Cruise run, and he's running along, kind of like the roofs and the things and the, all that." That's one of those scenes where he's running and jumping and kind of a little bit of what's it called that freestyley thing, a little bit of that going on because it was the the times. Parker. That's what I remember, and the wife having to. Do the deed. See, in the fir- the first one, I always remember him being low. You can't forget; it's an iconic scene. You, you, anybody knows what that is if they see it. Uh, the second one, the ballet on the motorcycles, which is kind of where they're doing endos on the motorcycles and shooting machine guns as he spins around. I barely remember that one at all. That's, Anyways, that's though. the scene I remember, and that kind of makes. Oh me no, look- they crash into each other as well. Their bodies yeah. crash into each yeah, other. Yeah, they do and fly off the motorbikes. But there's a scene where they're going just on the front wheels and they both got their arms out shooting. It's kind of impossible, but it's a John Woo thing. Third one, yeah, it's Mission not- Impossible. Yeah, third one's not. There isn't. I can't even remember the. The, oh yes I can him going over the wall as the telephone repairman or whatever in the uh, big is it the art gallery like a big and escaping up through the manhole into the sports car I do remember that part right um, but but yeah this one I think this scene on the side of the building is as iconic as the scene in the first one I think you will always remember it because it was so unique I don't some of the stuff he does is is kind of mind blowing like I don't know he, if it's unique because you the only way it's unique is if you have the knowledge that it's real. If you don't know it's real, it's not going to have that much impact on I think it's still a very interesting scene to look at. It's just, I've never seen it. I mean, yes, I've seen Spider-Man climbing up a building and stuff, but not <laughs> in this way. And it's and you saw um, Lulu running down the building in uh, Resident Evil. Yeah. <laughs> but this just seemed... It seemed real to me. I mean... And it was. Yeah, that was the key. You know, yeah. Yeah, and it was really well done. I, I, You know, they chose... Actually, that cover's different than the cover. I'm looking at the cover on the... Uh, and the cover that we've actually got is different. They're both focusing on Tom Cruise climbing up the building because that is the scene that people are going to remember. I liked it. I loved it. Um, I think they've... You know, I don't think it's the best Mission Impossible film, but I think if you're a fan of Mission Impossible and what it is... 
I think you will be ecstatic with this. I'm not sure. I don't. I wouldn't speak for people, but I would say a lot of Mission Impossible hardcores are going to want a bigger team, a little more scope. Yes, we went to a lot of places, but it didn't feel to me the ensemble kind of thing. It's it's very claustrophobic in terms of we've just got the four of us, and you know that part. I kind of like, even though it's cheesy. Building that big team of seven, maybe eight people, and kind of being introduced to their skills, even if it's not in a straightforward way, but you just sort of gather. So you love Fast Five? No, I don't. Because <laughs> they build the big team, and then you've got the Armageddon thing where they're building. You know, you're introduced to all the people. Now that's the most cheesy way, and then there's a good way to do it. And this one, you just sort of fold into it, which is fine. But to me, Mission Impossible is. You've got your tech guy, you've got your that guy, you've got your arms guy, you've got your this guy, and I just feel like that was missing a little bit. They they kind of had the wet behind the ears guy and the new guy and the new girl in this one. I mean, they changed it a little. They're bit. all the same. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The new team, almost like yeah. these are the new ones. Um, and Tom Cruise knows everything. I mean, he's Mister. I've been through everything. Um, you know. So do you think it was a... Do you like it in a whole... Because I really yep. liked it. I, I could watch it again, in fact. That's how much I liked it. And I bet you will. Because you liked it. Is there a commentary? So you can watch no, it? No, but there's a... We'll talk about it in a minute. A whole bunch of extra no, stuff. No, I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy... Um, I'm not a fight scene person. If you listen every week, you'll know that. However, the fights... There were several. But they were kind of... Each one had its own little different thing. There was nothing special about any of them. Even the the two women fighting had a little bit of newness because it was more like hard punches and hard, I was thinking hard there's, kicking. There's a fight. There wasn't like any nobody took the rude way out and made it a woman fight quote unquote. It was like knock down, drag out, hard punches slam her into the table kind of thing and I appreciated that because they didn't back off. It was like one woman's really pissed off and the other woman's just kind of evil and I like that. Yeah, there's a fight between two women in this movie. Yeah. And um, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, I know. I was just oh, yeah. I was talking a minute ago and then you said so I'm trying to get my thoughts back. So there's a fight between two women and it's uh I I didn't think it was I didn't think that fight was that good. Oh, I liked it. I, I thought it was like super staged looking. And especially I I hated its outcome, but I always hate that outcome. So No, I think all the fights in this one were super choreographed. There was no there was no guts and and grit to any of the fights at all. The actual, so I kind of accepted that. The after actual the fight first in the uh, prison at the beginning. Oh, I disagree. It was, was so... super staged. Yeah. But very awesome, very awesome in this style of um, old boy has a fight that's a choreographed thing, nice. right? This is a choreographed thing. It almost felt like... Uh, I'm not talking about old boy. I'm talking about old boy has a, um, a thing that's made for style. It's a stylistic thing. This, this fight in the beginning of Mission Impossible, it almost felt like it was from a Jackie Chan movie. It was like... Uh, set piece, set piece, set piece, set piece. As the as he's going down this corridor, and very fakey looking. Yeah, very fake looking, but really entertaining because of that. Like that's why martial arts films are popular. So I felt uh, I disagree because they haven't been beating up the them beating up the guard, which seemed extra vicious and just mean spirited. And after that, as I'm watching, I'm thinking it's just not put together very well. And him muscling him way well, through. Well, they, they, they are um, convicts. Yeah, they're going to beat the guards up if they have the chance, right? 
Yeah, but they didn't have to continuously show us. It, well, yeah, well, I, I, I was like, yes, that's what's going to happen. They're all hardened criminals who all of a sudden can wander around. They're going to. Yeah, they can also escape and they stop for ten minutes to beat up a guy. No, they're going to keep going. <laughs> so that I disagree that the women's fight was any more choreographed than any of the. They were all very. You stand here and I stand here, and when I punch you, you fall down over there. It was very transparent, but they were brief. <laughs> you know, I like short fights. I don't like a lot of fights that linger and linger and shit, except for the oil fight in the transporter and the throwing the woman fight. See, the, the oil, oil fight in the Transformers like a ballet of fighting as well. In the transporter. Right. It's like um, a, yes. a, a fight dance, almost. That's but it's what it also is. got some guts to it. So you feel the pain of everybody getting punched and falling. and you know, so. I mean, there are memorable fights in movies, and a lot of them come from... Mm-hmm martial arts movies etc and that's why people like martial arts movies sometimes it doesn't look real but it's fun to see people do crazy I stuff i think martial arts is the most boring of fights i like i uh, think i like ultimate fighting <laughs> see i don't the I, knockdown drag like the old bruce lee movies enter the dragon and stuff i think those fights in those movies are fantastic and i'm not a fight fan either i don't watch any fighting i'm not into wrestling or boxing or any of that but in the martial arts movies i'm thinking of bruce lee not particularly Jackie Chan. It's a bit too slapsticky for me. And Bruce Lee's more violent. I like that style of fighting because it's it's kind of evil, you know. Oh, and I think it's all just too. No, Bruce Lee's fighting. Pretend is like, looking. I've never seen one, so I don't know. You know, he uses nunchucks and he looks like he's punching people. Oh, I've never seen know? him, so I have to. Yeah, see you him. might like it's more Kill Bill than. Or you feel the. Uh, yeah, you know, uh. it's more like I know. I know she doesn't use a fist in Kill Bill. But it's like that effect where you're like, wow, this person's really kicking people's ass. You know, it doesn't seem... So, yeah, there is some of that in here. There's some... There's lots of spe- there's lots of special effects. There's some truly big special effects. There's also a couple of really dodgy special effects. For example? Um, a missile. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looked a bit... Well, Considering know. how awesome the movie was. There was a couple of things where I was like... I don't know, because we don't know what that would look like. No, but it just seemed really... I, you, mean I don't... The, you mean the ultimate moment. Doink. Yes, yes, yeah, that one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, before that, I wouldn't have... Doink. To be... <laughs> really yeah, I don't want to don't want to spoil it for anybody, but... Doink. The doink bit, I would have not had that happen. No, no. Because it just seemed really... Oh, come on. Um, and how many people were in there? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there, there are truly some moments in this movie, and I've just thought of another one, that are very unique and special. And in the car park. Oh, yes. That was, yeah, really, that was that, a good one. I've seen nothing like that, that in my life. That was a good one. See, there's another thing that you were like, I was like, well, this is an interest. Somebody. It's, a, it's the end of a, it's the product of a conference meeting or a, somebody's idea and let's get this to happen. But Because nobody's still ever done this. Incredible. Like, what, or, you know, sat around the table going... What has never been done? Well, this is, you know... Or like, dude, I was in this Japan and you should have seen this yeah. car park thing. So let's do that in there. Land. And they did it and it was fantastic. I, there was moments in that where I was, it was felt what like I a What I did get was, what was the guy's thinking when he... Because all, all that was going to happen was he was coming to get it anyway. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I thought instantly, I was like, what? It's like down there, all he has to do is go get it. What's the... Too high. What's the event? No. All he had to do was still go get it. Was we... it just the time? Like, you knew he wouldn't get it in time? Yeah. That was it. I mean, all he had to do was run. <laughs> <laughs> but, there uh, are a few loopholes. But Tom, uh, 
But Renner asks a few questions as well. So, what were you thinking? And I like that, kind of punching in the um, the audience going, oh, what a load of shit. And he's asking, asking the question out loud. So, so um, this movie, uh, I didn't write down tons of the cast, but I wrote down most of them. Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt. We all know Tom Cruise. Uh, no matter what you think or, you know, whatever about Tom Cruise, I think he is very watchable. He's a movie star. He's literally... I can watch him in anything. I think he's a very good at what he does. And he does lots of different things. He, just, he does, yeah. He doesn't just do this. I mean, this kind of stuff is the same every time. Not just Ethan Hunt, but this particular character's a lot of his characters. But then you think back over yeah, some he, variety of stuff. Yeah. Last Samurai, Jerry Maguire. He does different... He doesn't... Ju- he's not a one-trick pony. He can definitely make movies. I I know lots of people get on that hate wagon yeah. with him. He's entertaining for me. I always have thought so. He's my generation dude. He still is. I still, you know, yeah. we've grown up with him, right? So uh, I think he's really awesome. Uh, Jeremy Renner is uh, William Brandt. Jeremy Renner, incidentally, is the new Bourne movie. He's not Jason Bourne, but he's another, yeah. you know, Bourne experiment thing. Uh, I think he's a great choice because I think he is really good. He almost, in this movie, he's not... Got a ton to do, unfortunately, and they do put him in a little farcical kind of thing. A little bit, but that was good because it's good to see him in that. Yeah, because because we've seen him as tough guy, kind of or evil guy or whatever. Very. So in this, they did something different with him. Um, but I think he's really good. I, I like. I loved him in the town. Yep. I think that's my favorite thing I've seen with him. You know, um, Simon Pegg as Benji Dunn. We all know Simon Pegg from Shaun of the Dead probably is the most famous role he did. If you think about it, though, we still have this habit of making the British guy a little bit, I don't know, like the sarcasm is getting on my nerves and the, uh, da-da-da, 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 that vibe, I mean, that is exactly the... The whatever the rhythm of every every British character you throw. Do you in. think American filmmakers think that everybody in Britain is out of Monty Python? No. Like, because it's like that. It's like when you they mean, put a British. You've got the Queen, or you've got the um, sarcasm. But I mean, Briti- like, they write British characters, American for American films. Generally, they're either. Smart, I think he was Pony Pythony. They're either smarmy in some way or uh, evil. Real, like a Bond villain or something. Or they're silly. Like yes. silly. Like like the Simon Pegg character. Like, um, just kind of, you, you laugh at them. Smart ass. Overly sarcastic. That tone of... That's what I'm talking about by a Monty Python thing. Like More like they're in a sketch. They're like, they're the person who's funny and the other people... And not in on the joke. Inappropriately funny. All the time. Yeah. Because he's, I don't know, like, yeah. up a higher level than they are comedy-wise. I don't know, it's weird. It's like Ricky Gervais's, um... That's a, that's a big statement. What? Because he's British, he's up above them, comedy No, I'm saying that's what the American <laughs> filmmakers think. Oh, the British are really good at comedy, like, for instance, right? I think right. Americans think that. British are really good, because we've produced a lot oh, of good comedy. I'm going to put my hand out here and say I don't think Americans think that. We might... 
realize that there are lots of funny things, but no people. I mean, that's the reason like Ricky Gervais becomes famous over here, right? Because somebody thinks that, oh, wow, that's so different to what we do. He's really uh, funny. What people think is, wow, that's so different coming from a British person because they're not funny. I'm not. I'm not trying to be rude, but that's kind of we as a whole. That sounds like Simon Cowell. I'm not trying to be rude, but you're not funny. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny, but uh, the idea, sort of the the big joke or the big mindset, which is wrong. I'm just relaying it to you. The stereotype is British people are stuffy, no sense of humor, very smart assy, kind of or well, not smart ass, but what you really like, super sarcastic. And don't have a sense of humor, like a loose kind of. But the sense funny of thing is, most of the comedy that you Americans watch. I'm not watch, saying it's true. I'm just saying. No, I'm, let me just. Uh, most of the comedy you Americans watch is English. Did you know most? Three's Company is English? No, Three's Company isn't. But it came from a show that started out in England. Yes, but Three's Company. Did isn't. you know Samford and Son is English? But it isn't. What I'm saying is, you talk English comedy, you must have thought it was funny in the first place. Right, but then we completely twisted around. Not really. Oh, yeah. Have you watched Three's Company? Yeah. It's going to be nothing like your show. I mean, I'd have You've to watch seen, it. You've never seen it. I've seen other comparisons. I've seen The Office, and it's not the same. It is really not the same. So I'd have to see them both, but... Personally, The Office... And I'm not saying that perception is correct. What I'm saying is... Your your comment that Americans think British people are really funny or really good at it, I don't believe that's the overall attitude. So you think they're thinking Simon Pegg isn't funny, so hence put him in there because to Americans, like the major audience, it make would, him silly. It would just be ridiculous, like laugh at him rather than laugh with him. Yeah, he's not going to be like elevated like clever funny. He's going to be sort of a clowny kind of person. Right. Like we talk about in The Mummy, same thing. Throw in that British brother who's just a buffoony kind of guy. That's why I was saying it seems unfortunate that you're still... Well, we're still... Maybe other people don't notice Talking it. Talking of The Mummy, they're rebooting it. Reboot, eh? As in, no, forget those other ones existed, let's do it again. New, with different people. Could be interesting. Here's an observation. When you reboot, your computer isn't different. It's exactly the same as it was before. Right. I'm just correcting everyone who says, let's do a reboot. Because when I reboot my computer, guess what happens? It it's isn't different. Fresh. It's the Your same. memory's clean, the whole thing's fresh. No, it's exactly the same. No, well, yeah, but the, the reason... I'm a computer person. The reason you reboot is to refresh the memory... Get all the processes running back smooth again. People think that when you tell them to reboot, only geeky people. Well, think that, that. <laughs> that's that's what it really means. So what right. I'm saying is that that's probably where that came from, like to refresh the whole thing. Um, so yeah, um, Simon Pegg's in here. If you're not a fan, if you're American, I, I know a lot of Americans who love um, Simon Pegg stuff. I think you have to be kind of nerdy to like him. You know, Paul, um, Spaced. He's in a lot of um, Shot of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, hot fuzz. <laughs> all good, all good stuff. Uh, Paula Patton is the new female. I like her. Um, she plays Jane Carter. Um, I like her very much. I think she does exactly right every single scene. Now you might be asking, where is um, what's she called? Michelle Moynihan. Is mm -hmm. that her name? Well, let's not talk about it. We can't because it's no. Not I'm fair. saying people might be like, oh, why is she not in it? Because no, she was in the. Then just watch it. That's it. I'm not telling you what it is. I'm just saying that where is she? Because um, she was the main star of the third one. But don't say where she is. That's all I'm saying. I am not. <laughs> and obviously they get married in the end of the third, mm -hmm. third one. 
And well, you it. have to tune into this one to find <laughs> yes. out what happens. Because you will. Um, and uh, I for- didn't write the bad guy down, but the bad guy's really good. Like, um, hmm, don't know his name. No, I don't. But you see him, he crops up, and he's always the baddie, though. So he's super tight. Oh, I've never seen him before. Oh, I've seen him. He was in, like, Transporter 2 or something like that. He's been in... He's always been a baddie. I've never seen him as anything else. I've also seen him in a war movie as a baddie. So that's kind of boring then. Yeah, but he's a good baddie. But I've never seen him before, so I thought he was fine. Right. He's been in quite a few. I think, I might be wrong, that he was in Fifth Element too. So uh, this is directed by Brad Bird, who was ex-Pixar. Well, I don't know if he's ex-Pixar. I think... Pixar are going through some horrible times, apparently, so they're, you know, because the last one didn't do so well, and um, they're not meeting expectations, etc., so I think they're all branching out a little. Because every movie does make a billion dollars. Oh, boo-hoo. I get the feeling this year's Brave, the new one, will, it looks different. I mean, last year with the Cars 2 thing, Cars wasn't beloved anyway, and then they went and made a sequel, and it didn't do very well. I could have kind of told them that before they did it, but somebody beloved with Cars, right? What? I think Cars was loved. It wasn't really. It's the least favorite of all of Pixar films. I always heard that. Like, it did the least money. Uh, people don't watch it as much. All the others, uh, you know, were selling better than it always. And then somebody wanted to make Cars 2. Uh, Cars 2 was all right, I thought. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the greatest. I like Cars 1 better, to be honest. But, um... Pixar have got this Brave coming out this year, which I think looks really different, so I think that'll be a big hit. Um, but Brad Bird's not done live action. Well, he, ha- he has. He did a short film at some point. But um, I think he did a good job on his first live action role. And this ain't a small thing to do for your first no. live action. Plus, he was working with IMAX cameras and normal camera. You know, it's a crazy big budget thing, this, isn't it? It's one of the biggest budget movies going, like, you know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the budget is. I don't it's know huge. what the budget is. It's like 200 million dollars. It's, it's a big, big one. Like one of the biggest ones. Um, so yeah, uh, I think he did a good job directing. Um, the way this looks, this movie, is, I think it looks quite... Di- all the Mission Impossible movies, think about it, look different. Visually. They all do. John Woo puts his stamp on that one and Brian De Palma obviously has a real... Brian De Palma is famous for how his movies look. Then you've got the lens flare of J.J. Um, Abrams, because he used lens flare and all his... And, and it has that look also, Mission Impossible 3. And then this one, it's more plain than anything. Mm-hmm. Even though, they, you, you know, not what you, not what you're seeing is plain, but it's more of a straightforward look at it, yeah. Uh, it doesn't have a... I, I'm trying to pin a style on it, but it doesn't really, does it? It's It's pretty... Matter of fact, it's not shaky cam. No, it's not. It's a just little straight bit, up. a couple times, but yeah, it's pretty straight up. Like here's the scenes played from normal angles, you know. Apart from the switching between the two floors, which is kind of different. So, um, on the uh, this is interesting actually. This is a Blu-ray copy of the movie, um, and you get three discs in the box. One is the movie, one is the extras, and one is a DVD copy of the movie. Plus, there's a digital copy. Now, to get the Extras disc, which is the second disc. You have to buy this disc at Best mm-hmm. Buy, and it tells you here right on the front of the box. Fortunately, Paramount sent us the Best Buy one, and not the standard one, so we did get the extras. 
But yeah, you have to go to Best Buy if you want the extras disc. And the two out, oh, over an hour of exclusive bonus content. I think it's more than that. Mm, I don't know about that. They weren't that long, I don't think. They're good, though. Really good. Mm-hmm. We watched, uh, we watched these deleted scenes, etc. But it's good. It's a good, if you're into this movie, I, you definitely want to see these extras. So what you get included is, um, Mission Accepted, which is on the set action with Tom Cruise, J.J. Abrams, and Brad Bird. What this actually is, is a three-part documentary. Some of it filmed on Brad Bird's iPhone. Some of it filmed with the cameras that they used to film the movie. But it's a fly on the wall. It goes through each day of filming. You get to learn a lot about how this movie's Mm -hmm. made. You get to see Tom Cruise swinging on the side of a building for real. Like we talked, he does his own stunts. Do you remember that stunt in this movie where he jumped out of the window? I mean, jumped off the yeah. ledge. That looked painful. Yes, it did. I'm sure it wasn't, but the well, way it looked, it, it was, yeah. Uh, and he does all his own stunts still. And I said to you at the end of the movie, it's going to be a day where he can't do his own stunts. He's going. How old is he now? He's getting on a bit. Our age? Like 45? Yeah. I mean, when he's 60, do you think he'll be... He'll try. I think he'll try too. Um, so yeah, you get this three-part documentary, which I think is exceptional. And then there's Impossible Missions, which is a bunch of featurettes... And they go through each thing, like the sandstorm, the uh, Brad Bird working with the IMAX cameras. So if you're interested in film, there's a, a portion about IMAX and how big the frame is compared to normal uh, image, imagery, normal 35mm. Um, then there's deleted scenes, a whole bunch of them, with uh, director's commentary if you want it, either on or off. So they explain the scenes, which I always like. Yeah, I like hearing them talk about it. And um, much more, it says. And the much more is actually two trailers. <laughs> you know yeah, when it says much that much, more. much more? It's actually two trailers. Because we, we saw the whole uh, disc. So, yeah. You have to go to Best Buy if you want extras. A disturbing trend, I think. Is it a trend? Uh, yeah, I've seen it quite a few times recently. Like, yeah, this version from this store has more things than this one. Right. So then as, a, then as a Blu-ray buyer, if you really want the extras, like you said, some and people... And you don't have a Best Buy. Yeah, and like you said, oh, you can get it on bestbuy.com, I guess, but like you said, some people don't care about extras. But the ones who do, the ones who do want the collector's edition with the slipcase and the, the extras, then you, you've got this scenario now of, uh, where is the best one? I've got to go and look everywhere to see which one has all the stuff. You know, because now they've got things like, if you buy it from Best Buy, it comes in a steel case. You know, the steel cases... Yeah. Only at Best Buy. Or Walmart exclusive has three more discs. They have a lot of this stuff now. It's kind of disturbing because it, as a consumer, it's just more confusing, right? Because you're just like, I don't know where to go to yeah, get I the I like best this one. statement, but I say drop all the extras and just sell the movies really cheap. And give everybody the opportunity to either download it from a kiosk or online or get the cheap, shitty packaging with the DVD in it or Blu-ray and that's it. Like, let's just cut all the shit Give us a cheap price. We can watch movies for a good bargain and keep making movies. That's it. Quit fussing around with all the other stuff. Even though I love extras. Don't get me wrong. But don't do it. Don't. It's like all or nothing for me. Either every single time, every movie, slap all the extras on. Give us a good deal. And that's it. Everywhere you go, it's all the same. There's not five discs in this box and two discs in that one. It's all the same. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. It's just more confusing for the yeah. consumer because... Only you as a listener now, unless you gend up on this stuff, know that you have to go to Best Buy to get the best version of this movie. It doesn't cost any more at Best Buy. It's the same price as the one at Walmart, yet you're getting more at Best Buy. It's just really odd. It's just branding, isn't it? Best Buy, this is a massive movie. Lots of people will go out and buy it. 
Best Buy get a lot of sales on Tuesday, on, when it comes out, right? It's just a weird marketing thing. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why somebody like McDonald's teams up with the Avengers movie to have Avengers on their cups because everybody wants the Avenger cup and they go to the McDonald's and buy some meals. It's co-branding or whatever it is. It's kind of annoying. Um, I just think if you put out a Blu-ray and it's called the special edition or whatever, it should just be everywhere. Exactly. Like that, and it should be the same price and... But yeah, that's always going to happen, I guess. So if you want the best version of this movie, unfortunately, not unfortunately, because I don't care where you get it from, <laughs> Best Buy is the place to get it from. Um, there's probably other bonuses at other places, but I know that you get the extras disc. And it is a pretty decent amount of extras. Also, i got to say, the sound and the picture on this movie are right up there at the top of what you... Because this movie... Like you said, shot on IMAX cameras, looks re- razor sharp the entire time. It's not a grainy movie. It's Mm-mm. it's really something to look at. And sound, and sound, lots of surround sound going on. Um, interestingly, the surround sound was most interesting when he was driving that car, that electric car. Yeah, or in the water. It's really weird when people drive an electric car, especially an electric sports car, because you're just pre-programmed that if it doesn't go when it goes past you, it feels weird. And when they sat in the cockpit... It's like the Jetsons. There's just no... no yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's weird. Because we're pre-programmed and no, if something's going fast, it has to make a loud noise. But it, but it doesn't. But yeah, there is an amazing electric car in this movie. That's not a real car. It's a BMW concept car. But it is amazing. It looks like something from the future. Mm-hmm. So, um, in conclusion, on Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol... I highly recommend it. It's a real fun two hours, ten minutes at the movies. Yep, and there's no extra sauciness. There's no unnecessary no, it's man-woman a, a action. PG. There's no, no swearing that I can recall. I think it's suitable for anybody. Yeah. Apart from there is some violence, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not... And you don't want your kids hanging around at the top of the tallest building in the world. No. Because <laughs> it is pretty dangerous what they do in the movie. So, yeah, I highly recommend it, if you're, especially if you're a fan of Mission Impossible. And if you're a fan of Mission Impossible, you've probably already seen this and you're probably already buying it when it comes out. They won't be seeing it. Oh, yeah, in the theater. I mean, yeah, yeah you've already been to the theater. Um, and you're probably already getting it. So it's out in a couple of weeks. This was an early look, thanks to Paramount. And uh, we recommend it. So, uh, if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. I can't remember what the contest is, but you can win something at aschoolie.com. Um, next week's Blu-ray review will be Steven Spielberg's War Horse, um, Oscar-nominated War Horse. So, uh, looking forward to that one. I don't know much about it, so I'm interested. I know it's about a horse and there's some war. <laughs> That's kind, all you need. Kind of gives and Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg's enough to get me to watch Nominated for Academy Awards. Yes, Steven, Steven Spielberg... Not you, said. You had me at Steven Spielberg. Correct. So, um, the new movie game, is it going to occur this week? Oh, is it me still? I thought we agreed it wasn't me. Yeah, it's you. Right. You're well, starting off the new movie game. Oh, right. Uh, no, because I thought, no. <laughs> All right, next week then. <laughs> yes, we know what the game is, but no, I wasn't prepared. All right, next week will be the new movie game, and we promise it will I can be do the... it on the fly. No, don't do it on the fly. Mm-hmm. Next week we'll promise. Let's do an example. Here's no. a sample. Yes. Yes. Five Tom Cruise movies. Mission Impossible 1, Mission Impossible... No, no sequels, you know the rules. All right, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, Risky Business, Last Samurai, Jerry Maguire, got it, I'm, I'm having trouble. Uh-huh. And That's four. 
you know, everybody on the other end of the radio, <laughs> fake radio, they're is, yelling at us, like, going, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> wow, see, see, this is why this game is cool. Yeah. Because... You think you know? You can... You, <laughs> if I said to you, name 20 Tom Cruise movies, you go, that's easy, I know all of them. Vanilla Sky. Very good. Yeah, but it is kind of And mine. you do weirdly dig up some some buried way down inside. Yeah, there. So do. that's the sample of the game. I'll give it a name next week, and there'll be a proper... Da, 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 da. And it could be anything. It's not just people. It'll be like... Um, and it's not five every time. No, no. It's whatever. Like, if it's really complicated, you pick three. I think we'll go with three. Five if it's relatively Because I've said things but to you like, like three movies that um, has people eating popcorn in a theater. Right. That and you have to thing. really dig up. Or it could be like, uh, name three movies with cannibalism as the main theme. You know, like that kind of thing. So, it's fun. It's a great that time would, user. Three, three movies with cannibalism as the main theme. That would be <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, that one with uh, Begbie from... Yeah, Ravenous. And, and Alive. Oh, or Hannibal. Or Hannibal. Yep, or Motel Hell. Yes. Motel Hell, yeah. Yeah. See? It's, uh, dig up some good old crappy they movies. They make some good... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's more. There. <laughs> there's way more. All right, so... Um, Movie recommendations this week, based off uh, Ghost Protocol or not, in, as, as the case may be. For me, off I base them off this movie. If you like this movie, you will like these movies, probably. Casino Royale, the new Bond movie. Um, it's got the same kind of pacing. Uh, it's a bit more serious than Ghost Protocol is, but I think you would like it. I think it fits alongside it. And the other one, just because it's my favourite of these Mission Impossible movies, and that's the first one, Brian De Palma. It was before it was hu- It was before it was. Let's make it bigger and better. It's more reined in that first one. In fact, it's quite slow the beginning parts of it, if you remember, until it gets to the Not actual. Really. Yeah, it's very different. This I've only one, ever seen it one time. Like now, they go straight for the jugular, don't they? It's like let's make everything happen quickly. We, people want to see explosions. People want to see stuff. That one, nothing really happens until about halfway through. Hmm. They set. There's no story, there's no talking. I'm talking about action scenes. Okay. Let's be very specific, because I think talking and building character and revealing the story is a big deal. Yeah, and that's why I'm recommending it, because that's to me, is better than all action. Very good. Because all action's fine, and once you get to the point of Ghost Protocol, which is the fourth in this series, we kind of know where everybody's at. We don't need tons of exposition, and it is an action movie, we know that. But there, where they were establishing stuff, is a lot different. And then John Woo messed it all up. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, recommendations. Casino Royale and Mission Impossible 1. And mine are Mad Max, the original. Was it called Mad Max? Yes, the okay. road, it was actually called The Road Warrior. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't Mad Max, but it was... Uh, and there are reasons you'll know if you've seen it, or if you watch it, you'll know what I mean. Uh, it's not great. It's pretty poorly done, but there's just something... And maybe it was of the times... That it made you more, made it more, like, lovable or something. But uh, that one, and um, because you mentioned it this week, and we'll be getting it to see, Barbarella. And it's just one of those, watch it, so then later when we do a review, you will be, you will yeah, know what we're talking about. coming out on Blu-ray in July, I believe. So we Jane will be Fonda covering. from the Crazy 70s, it's wacky, it's on, in par, on par with Flash Gordon, and I can't wait to see it again. I remember seeing it late at night 
on some channel that had commercials because, of course, it got chopped up and I was had the volume turned way down. And I, it was the only light in the whole room and it was late at night and I was in the family room away from where everyone could hear or see what I was doing and I was watching it like... Oh my god! I feel and like I'm. I feel like I'm doing something naughty. <laughs> it's so colorful and crazy. I imagine the Blu-ray is going to be. It really is a awesome. fairy tale of yeah. a movie, and it's just not great or anything. But oh my god, I can't wait to. It's see like it. Flash Gordon. Yep. Flash Gordon looked great on Blu-ray because of its kind of uh, gaudiness. Gaudy. Yeah. Everything's really yeah. like ugh, that. Doesn't look right, but it does. It looks really cool. Like it's oh. like bad play sets. A set of a play yeah. coming to life. Yeah, really. And really bad costuming and gold lame and, you mm-hmm. know. And Barbara is exactly yeah. that. So, yeah. That's our recommendations for this week. Games and Ace Scully stuff. Uh, not a lot to talk about. Been playing Mass Effect 3. I still haven't got to the controversial ending that everybody's talking about. You know what? It's a miracle. A miracle. Because I listen to lots of podcasts. That I don't know how it ends. Because every time I hear somebody talk, I fast forward. Somebody might be an asshole and just send you a tweet or something to tell you. Well, if they do, I won't read it. You will. Oh, you won't be. You read every tweet that has your name on it. <laughs> so yeah, I um, I well, we're really close to the end. Like I'm, I think we're about three hours away from the end now. So um, I'll tell you next week what I think of the ending. Playing a lot of Kid Icarus this week. I hands down will say I'll put my hand down. It's the best Nintendo. <laughs> toolbox. I swear on this toolbox. The best Nintendo game that Nintendo have put out in the last five years. Um, it's hefty statement. It's, it's insane for me because I have no relationship to Kid Icarus. I a couple of weeks ago I even said to myself, "Why do I care about a Kid Icarus game? I don't even know what Kid Icarus is." Now I know why I care about it. And if you own a 3DS, you owe it to yourself to go and buy Kid Icarus. It's, I've, I can't believe, I've, I'm still playing it. And I'm, you know what, it's got 25 levels, and I'm only on level 7. Because I just keep replaying the same right. levels to get better. I say, my god, you play all the time. No, I keep going back to, because you can play, this is how crazy this game is. You know levels of difficulty for each stage? There are 90. Right. So there's, like, intensity levels, they call it. And um, you can play on zero, where nothing attacks you. Oh, that'd be mine. Yeah, you literally cannot die. So it's just you go through it, and you can attack stuff, and it Oh, I would like that. Which is a great... This is a great way of doing it. So on zero, you cannot be touched. On on nine, it is intensely hard. Like, so hard, you're probably not going to do it. Nine, you mean? uh, It's actually... Uh, zero, zero point one, zero point two, zero point. It's not actually ninety. It's okay. nine. So it's eight point eight, eight point nine, nine. Okay. So on nine, it's really, really difficult. Um, I start. What I normally do is I, I start a stage and I play it on level four because it's fairly easy for me. Level four, right? I don't generally die. I see the whole. I see the story of the level, and then it encourages you to go back on a different level and you. Because when you kill people, you, they drop weapons. And when you pick the weapons up, they have stats. So some weapons are better than others. The harder you put the difficulty, the better the weapons are that they drop. So if you're playing on zero, the weapons that drop are terrible. If you're playing on nine, the weapons that drop are the best weapons in the game. So it encourages you to... But the twist is, you have to finish the level on that difficulty to claim the weapons you found in right. the game. So you can't just go in, get them, and then come out. You have to actually drop your level. finish the level, yeah. So, 
I found level four is comfortable for me, and then I jack it up to level six, which is difficult-ish, but I can still get through six. But I keep going back and playing the same levels and just trying. Did we get to level nine? Not yet. I keep notching it up just one, so I'll go from six point six to six point seven and then try it again. So there's so much. I mean, you could play each level ninety times if you wanted. Just just knock it up a little bit until you got really familiar with it. Um, so it's an amazing way of doing it because. You got kids who play the game who think it's too hard. They can just put it down to zero or or zero point one. I would hundred percent. And if they want a little bit more challenge, they can just put it up. And it's like a gambling thing as well because you have hearts, and these are the things that you collect during the game. So if you play on zero, you don't get any hearts, right? Because essentially you're not doing anything, right? So if you play on zero point one, you'll get some hearts. If you play on 9, you'll get a lot of hearts. And the hearts you can buy things with at the end of the levels. Right. So it's a risk-reward thing. It's a fantastic way of doing it. Because if you just want to blow through and see the game, you can. And you'll never get frustrated because you can just knock it down if you need to. So I, what an amazing way of doing the difficulty. Um, Kid Icarus, buy it. Even if you have no affiliation to Kid Icarus, it's way <laughs> worth buying. Even um, if you don't have a 3DS, just get the Yeah, get buy the, a 3DS, <laughs> play Kid Icarus. Can um, you plug it in and play it on there? No. To, on your big screen? No. Oh, it's Nintendo and that's Sony. It's da, da, da. No. Can you buy a big screen for your 3DS to no. plug into? No. That should be one of their attachments. They have a lot of others. It's a handheld. Yeah. It's for on-the-go gaming. So, um... Game? Uh, Another game that is coming out when? Not till November? That I'm going to be looking forward to? The new SimCity. I don't right. know, actually know... I think it's just called SimCity, actually. There's no 5 or 6 or whatever it is. It's just SimCity, so they're starting again kind of thing. Um, awesome. I'm just saying, it's coming out. Yeah, you love awesome. Sim games. Um, well, not all of them, no, but certain ones. No, I mean, yes. you like... I, you generally... I haven't liked every Sim... I didn't like Sims 2, and I don't like every You pack. like Sims 2? No, I barely played it. Huh. Like, Barely. Sims 3 you like. Mm-hmm. But not everything about it. Not everything they keep adding. But SimCity is really fun. I even find it fun just to tinker around with it. Absolutely. It's insane what you can create. Absolutely. And like, and how it all awesome. works. That's what I like. How it all works. My problem is I get obsessed. And I will I will play non-stop. I will carry my laptop while I'm cooking. I'll carry my laptop on the shitter. I'll carry my... On the what? On the shitter, as you call it. The shitter. The toilet. I will sit next I to me while I'm doing... You call it the shitter. I don't call it the shitter. <laughs> I did it because you do. I call it the toilet or the stool. <laughs> you probably think that's what I'm doing. That's funny. Get on the stool. Take a crap. But anyway, I will be obsessed with it for some period of time. Um, but that's not till November, which is the month of my birthday. And what I'm really excited about in uh, games coming up, there isn't. I, I usually say what's coming out next week, and there's not really anything next week. But Diab- Diablo Three oh, from yeah. Blizzard comes out on the PC in about three weeks, I think. Um, I'm highly excited. Diablo was a game that I spent way too long playing when back in the day when it was out on the. <laughs> what did I have like a? Pentium 4 or something, some really old computer, and uh, I just played Diablo like crazy. I bought a video card for the very first time ever to play Diablo. Ooh. Diablo 3 is coming, um, it's on the PC, it's by Blizzard, the makers of Warcraft, but Diablo's my thing, Warcraft isn't. Diablo's not a massively multiplayer thing, but you can play with your friends. You know, it's hack and slash from above. You don't really like those type nope. of games. 
Diablo is something special about it. I don't like fighting and stuff. I find it really boring. So I don't like the... I would like to build the civilizations and build the communities. I don't need uh, an enemy. Diablo is not like Starcraft. I want to live in harmony. Though. You know, like I like Starcraft by Blizzard also. Well, Diablo is not that either. It's your click to kill things. I know what it is. From above. Yeah, I know. It's really, really a cool game. Um, And it's all about loot. Drop it. They drop stuff. You get better weapons. Kind of like Kid Icarus. (laughs) But it's... It's, what do you call that? It's just flat from above kind of thing. But I really like it. So I can't wait for that. Diablo coming soon. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention is we watched a TV show on BBC One called The Syndicate. This is a new five-part drama um, about some people who win the lottery. Um, What did you think? We've watched two, the first two episodes. It's good. And if you say The Syndicate to people in America, that's not what it means. Do they not know? Right, that is... No, Syndicate in America is like the mob. Right. Like a mafia. Well, in England, what it is, is uh, if you're at work, say you work in a workplace like a factory, and you all, say you buy a lottery ticket, and you all... Chip in every week. Chip in. Like, say you get five five sets of numbers on one ticket, and you all pay. Well, then you're a syndicate of five people. And then if you happen to win the lottery with those, you split the winnings between the five of them. There's a legal thing It's a legal thing, yeah. Um, So that's what this show is about. But it's also about the pitfalls that... Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, working class Britain, people with not much money, how it kind of changes the lives in either bad or good ways, right? So far, we haven't seen much of it. Um, it's a really interesting... Um, I, I like the, It's British not the drama. caliber of a lot of other shows we've seen. I don't feel like it's the same caliber as The Postman. I just... I don't know. There's something... You know, I like it because it's distinctly British. We do these things very. occasionally, and they're just one-off kind of things. It's not this is England because that was a very serious British drama. This is a light-hearted look. Uh, also, it's got some drama, but it's mm-hmm. light-hearted mostly. It's kind of played for laughs quite a bit. But I just like that kind of drama. I guess it's because I was brought up with that kind of drama, and um, it's a dying breed. We don't have a lot of it in England. It just comes around every so often. Yeah. Like Alfie the Same Pet, which was a show that we watched. Or the Royal. Or, the Royal Family. Yeah, you know. So this is just a five-part, one-off thing, if you want to see it. It's called The Syndicate. It's on BBC One. Um, it's on, on Tuesday nights, I believe. And the final thing I wanted to mention this week, and this is a book. Um, if you liked the movie Drive, which came out beginning of this year, and I adored the movie Drive. It's one you of my... You and actually goes in it's right up there with like pulp fiction for me now it's like Holy shit. really high didn't realize it had been marinating that that strongly in your mind yeah it's really 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 an amazing movie um well the guy who wrote the book drive which the movie was based on james salas has just wrote the sequel to drive called driven which is out this week on uh you can get it on your kindle or your nook or you can go into the store and buy the book now, what's unique about this is it's the sequel to Drive, but it, it's a very short read. It's 100 pages or 120 pages, which is not a lot of pages. Yeah. Um, it's a script. Yeah, I think almost. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that is. You're will, to keep a I, I assume it will become a movie. I mean, Drive was successful, so why wouldn't it? But um, I haven't read it yet. I did get it. The, the very unique thing about it is it costs $6 on the... Nook. I bought it on the Nook. Oh, right. Nice. $6 is not bad for a book. No, no, it's good. Uh, even though it is a short book. But if you love Drive, 
there is the sequel out there. And when I mentioned it this week, I had a few people say, I didn't even know there was a... That was coming out or whatever. But I'd have my eye on it. So, so yeah, that's called Dri- Driven. And it's by James Salis. And it takes place right after the movie finishes. So, if you like the movie and you don't want to spoil the next movie, if, <laughs> if it does get me, yeah. um, don't read it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's out there. Driven by James Salis. Did you read Drive? I did read Drive. And... It's quite different from the book from the movie. I prefer the movie. Right. It's one of those instances where generally the book's better, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I disagree with that theory. No, the theory for me has always proved true, apart from some exceptions, The Exorcist being one, and Jaws being another. But mostly, two thousand and one was harder for me to grasp as a book than a movie. So right. Yeah, there are occasions where the movie's better, but Drive the movie is just. It's not just the, the what they're saying. It's the music, yep, the vibe, exactly. the whole thing. You know, because the book doesn't even give you that, that vibe of the eighties. Whereas, right? The, I know the movie doesn't play, take place in the eighties either, but it has a vibe of the eighties that's just all over it. That makes it better than what it is. Like, it's weird. <laughs> right. um, so, Sid talk. What's for dinner? What is for dinner is a parma- uh, eggplant parmesan, kind of a casserole, and it is. A frozen dinner thing. It's really good. Michelangelo. Michelangelo came around to make this for us. And frozen Painted some ceilings. <laughs> Did that. And uh, I'm going to make some corn on the cob. And that'll be that. And then I got some cookie dough brownies from the bakery. A couple of them. I don't know. Never had them. And some tofuti vanilla. Plain vanilla. Because that's the one I like. Couldn't talk you into that the other day. But I, when I go shopping on my own, I get to do what I want. I don't have to answer to you. So we got Vanilla. That's it. And my popcorn that I made, which is awesome. I put some nutritional yeast, some chia seeds, some this new salt that I got. Which chia I, seeds? Chia seeds. Oh. And some <laughs> salt <laughs> that it's called real salt, but I think all salt's the same. But I thought I'd try it. It says, have your regular salt and then try real salt, is the brand name. And you'll be amazed at the difference. That's good marketing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. your, your salt that you've been using for th- 40 years is not good enough. It's not real it's salt. the real stuff. Well, salt, um, salt. You should also mention, we did some uh, crazy uh, gardening uh, per se. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you want to call yet. it. Well, we dug up some shrubs. Yeah, the side of our house had these uh, bushes that, were, that have been there for years and they're just scraggly and nasty. And I've looked at them literally for years and said to myself, I'll dig them up one day. But I kept thinking to myself, that's going to be really difficult. They're re- probably really deep. Turns well, out, it. And I said, I kept telling you, all you can do is dig around this root a little bit, around that, like, where the thing goes in the ground, and then you just dig it out and you can cut it. Now, I didn't realize, because once I started tugging it, it just, I was able, I was able to pull two of them. That last one, on I actually had, to, I had to cut it out with the, um... Yeah, some of the roots thing. were still hanging out. Uh, but yeah, we pulled them all up, and it looks so much better, with no, no bushes at the side Next of the will be a mural on the side of the house. As you recommended, and some nice rocks and whatnot. I'm sure everyone loves our gardening, but you know it's like um, it spreads because the lady next door finally cleaned up their shithole thing on the side of the house where they had bags of leaves all stacked up for three summers, and their gardening tools yeah. were laying there. The guy and actually there was put leaves grown out of control. The guy put leaves in those brown, um, what do you call them? Big De- decomposable brown. bags. Yeah. <laughs> So he put leaves in decomposable bags and then put them at the side of his house. <laughs> and three years later, 
they were decomposing, literally. <laughs> yeah. The bags were all faded from the sun. And we share a driveway. Like, yeah. our driveway and our whole back of our houses is all one big cement thing. So our house, there's no grass or yard between us. It's all the driveway. So his little plot of flowers now and our little plot of rocks and shrubs are like sort of compl- supposed to complement each other. So for three years, we've looked at these bags of leaves yeah. that, strangely enough, he bagged them up three years ago and put them there, but never then never happened. bagged them any other year. So there was just this one pile. Yeah. Of, they were never went and anywhere. He has a lovely girlfriend who he decided now has to tidy decided, up. Yep. And she got a new lawnmower and mowed the yard the whole bit. So yeah, we'll be working on the gardening even more. So what's the advice for this week? Advice is the thing... Okay, I'm going to pick on religion here a little bit. But this same theory applies to a lot of things. Not the hardcore stuff like... Um, you know, keeping children safe or taking care of old people or whatever. But the thing that is precious to you or that is sacred to you. And just because it's sacred or precious to you and a larger group of people who have either convinced you that it's precious and sacred or you truly believe it, it doesn't mean it is for everyone else. And that is fine. Which I think is really, it's a hard concept that... You know, I'll read down my Facebook thing, and like every fucking five posts, somebody posts, I've accepted Jesus Christ in my life, and if you, um, if you disagree, or if you don't, it's like a hateful, snotty thing. Like, if you haven't, um, salvaged your life, then you won't like this, or something like that. It's always really hateful, as if to say, this thing that I believe in is so precious, and perfect, and right, that if you don't go along with me, even as on a stupid thing like Facebook, then there's something like, you're an outcast. You are outside of me. But guess what? I respect your precious thing, but I don't give a shit about it. I don't care what you believe, as long as it gets you through your day. But it doesn't have to be precious to me. And the reason this came up is that we were looking... My nephew decided he wanted to do one of those things where he cuts the guts out of a book and it looks like a like A, a book, book safe. Yeah, where you open up and then the inside's cut out. And we were looking for different ones. And he found one that was like, um, you know, every state, the Congress and st- or the government of the state has a yearbook of all of what happened that year. And they've been going on since, you know, 1900 or whatever. And it's just like a manual looking book. Big blue, hardback, really thick. We picked that one up first, like perfect choice because it's not really... It's just a legal document, basically, because he said, I would hate to cut up a book and feel guilty about it. I don't want to feel guilty about cutting up a book that I would rather read or someone else should read. Which I thought for a 15-year-old, that's very thoughtful. (laughs) So then he found a Bible, and he was like, oh, this will work. And I said, you don't mind cutting up the Bible? And he's like, no, there's lots of them. And I thought, that's exactly the right attitude. There's nothing sacred about that paper and that book. To anyone, you know, he, uh, he understands the value of what's in it, he, you know, he's being raised kind of a mishmash of different things, but he believes in it to, to, to the degree that he understands it. But he doesn't take that symbol, that thing, and be like all, you know, ah, about it. And the funny thing is, he wanted to do it because <laughs> he wants it to be, what? A holy Bible. Yes. So when you open it, it's got a hole in the middle. Now, that's, you know, I would like people, like... You know, in conversation, if somebody says something about Easter, and then my thing is like, oh, you know, to me, it's nothing. It's like, you know, to me, it's always been Easter bunnies and Easter eggs, because I don't have any of that. I don't follow any of that religion of any kind. But I'm not saying that it's... I'm saying 
that's awesome. You go to church. For you, it's about the dude dying and then coming back to life and inspiring everybody and sacrificing himself for his years. <laughs> Not the big Lebowski. But, um, you know, that's awesome. That gets you... That means something to you. But don't pretend... No, it's not pretending, is it? Because they really think that I have to be as, as you know, precious about it. And I don't. Because it's not my thing. I don't need to tiptoe around you. I don't need to pretend. I don't need to be like, oh, oh, oh you've got a belief or a, a political point of view. Or, you know what? Your children are not precious to me. I don't think it's cute and sweet and charming that they're throwing a fit in the store and throwing themselves on the floor screaming and crying while you put your hand on your hip and go, now come on, Jacob, get up off the floor, get out of the lady's way. (laughs) Oh, he's so cute. No, he's not. He's acting like a little shithead. Like, it's not precious to me. So, you know, just have some... Realize that when you think something is so... I don't know, like... I just, if in people post, bubble. a lot of people even on my Facebook post, like, oh, the Lord saved me today or some shit. I just Click don't, like if you believe it. I just don't get involved in it in any way, shape, or form. I, I respect. I don't either. I'm not saying that. Oh, I, I'm just talking about what um, I think. Right, I know, I'm not saying it either, but the attitude is, it's precious to me, therefore you should also participate. That's oh, right, what I don't and then like. I don't, so then they know that I don't. But they don't know anything because you're not pointing it out. Right. I want to point out to people. They know your I'm thing. their friend and they know I never comment on it. Yeah, but I might thing, comment on other stuff. But your thing isn't, you know, I love movies and art. But if I'm in a conversation with someone who doesn't care about art, I don't, I don't poo-poo on you. I don't think you should think art is fantastic the way I do because it's, that's you, that's me. So that's it. That's my thing. Don't think that the things that are super precious to you need to be precious to everyone else. But and I expect think, it. Respect that about everybody. But I think you should all think movies are awesome. <laughs> and if you don't, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> screw you and stop listening to this podcast. The cuddle fish is coming out of my asshole. Oh my god. And if you're a South Park fan, you know what I was, you know what I was saying there. Um, yeah, if you're a South Park fan. <laughs> Which you you're sh- not. I'm not. Let's be honest. Not really, but I could be uh, tempted now. <laughs> Watch season 15, episode 1 of South Park. The Blu-ray came out recently. Season 15, episode 1. It's called um, Human Centipad. It's probably the funniest 20 minutes of animated thing you will see this week. Mm. It's a bold statement. No, it really is. <laughs> the cuttlefish are coming out of my asshole... And there's a quote from it. That doesn't endear me to it, so... <laughs> it is very funny. Um, so, yeah, you, you should see that. Because I don't know even know why I watched it. Somebody said, I don't watch South Park, but I do love Team America. I think Team America should be made into a series. So, um, is that it? And are you hiccuping? Yes. All right, so thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our websites. It's aceclay.com and sidtar.com. Catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, or just go to acecully.com, click on the word podcast. All your subscription needs will be fulfilled. You can email me at acecully at If you've got any spare Nintendo download codes or whatever they're called, send them to me at acecully at And... Stay classy, Mr. Tom Cruise. Um, still classy after all these, after Risky Business and all that. <laughs> all those other Not movies. all these movies are classy. No. But he is definitely a evergreen, as they call them. He's hanging in, 
hanging in there. Gotta get. He is on the cover of this movie. And I'm going to say, oh, hanging, hanging in there. I'm, 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 I'm kind of perplexed that the just out of the movie the promotional thing, the movie cover that we have, the official one. That's the one from um, DVD Empire over there, and the one we have are different. And then I thought, well, maybe it's just a slipcase. No. But no, they're actually different. So the Best Buy exclusive, which is what we have here, has a different cover. It's not a hell of a lot different, but it is different. And I'm going to say, think for yourself and expect and respect and allow other people to think for themselves as well. Because if I'm not thinking for myself, you're trying to try to do it for me. And if you're not thinking for yourself, I'm going to try to do it for you. 